Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Foy and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gather around the Facebook Live iPad for another episode of This Life with Dr. Drew and Bob. And here we are. And that, that intro is by Douglas, is it not, Susan, our son? Yeah, who's it was got, right in that bedroom. Yeah, he he's made got it. Some, he's got he some did other, it on a computer right there. I, I, he's got other stuff out there, so if <laughs> you're interested, check it out. Uh, also, uh, this life hashtag you live, uh, find us on Twitter and Facebook, at Dr. Drew, at Rehab Bob Forrest, at This Life Podcast, our great producer, at First Lady of Love. Get on that email list. Everything, as Bob pointed out on a recent podcast, everything's at drdrew.com. All the family of podcasts. I really want you to get on there and get the opium series. I want you to read what, what Michelle and I wrote about how the I opium addiction I've taken most came. of them. Oh, good. Uh, also, uh, me and Lawrence Vaughn at KBC. Oh, unique. Our guest is laughing. Hold on, hold She's on. She's taking a lot of them, too. I will introduce everybody. Give me a second. I, I warned you guys I have a lot to get through here. Uh, check out uh, Midday Live, uh, again, noon to 3, Talk Radio 790, and KGO in San Francisco. You can also see the, hear the podcast at kbc.com and drdrew.com. Everything there. Also, Mike Catherwood and I hosting a new health and fitness podcast called Swole Patrol. And uh, subscribe, tell a friend. That's gaining quite a bit of traction at Swole Patrol. Now that I'm on this weird meat diet, but you have to listen to that podcast to hear about it. Bob, don't don't die is the podcast, don't right? Die. Uh, and our one of our guests, uh, Owen Elliott. You can follow her at Owen Elliott 1967. And you have a signing of New Mama and Papa's. Well, no, 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 no. That's just something we'll talk about. We okay. signed, we signed a. That's the summer of love, nineteen sixty-seven. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's, our, it's all about that. I man. was six. I know about. And it. our other guest is Mackenzie <laughs> Phillips. That's her laughter in the background. There, you can follow. Uh, <laughs> see her one day at a time on Netflix. Uh, BreatheLifeHealingCenters.com is where she wants you to check it out. The history uh, of opioids in America. Mackenzie Phillips. You can follow her at, at Mac Phillips. <laughs> and now, now I have something to tell Mac. My favorite, one of my favorite TV shows, certainly on TV right now, is Orange Is the New Black. And Mac is a Mac has a major role in the current season, and I, we were so excited to see you. You did such an amazing job. You play such a good junkie. Congratulations! Life, life imitating art, <laughs> imitating life, and it's not just the drugs. The jail too. Uh, no, she, Mac was fan. <laughs> I listen. It's so funny. Not not everyone can do what she did. And my, for Susan, maybe Susan, you want to talk about this because my wife kept just going, "Oh my god, oh my god, she's so good. Oh my god, I can't believe how good she is." And I'm uh, like, "Well, when you had those flies." crawling all over your body <laughs> i could feel your pain. yeah yeah 
my god! So, so congrats. Feel my pain. Con- yes. <laughs> yes. Congratulations. I, we're not going to do any spoilers and talk about what happens to uh, Barbara, but I will just tell you: it, it's if you're not watching that series, it's one of the best series on television. And this particular season is highlighted by Max' performance, which is uh, central, central in the whole season. I mean, it's a key thing. So, congratulations. Was it fun? Oh my God! I had such a blast. Yeah, it was really fun. I mean, you know, there are some things about it that were odd. You know, uh, you know, sort of mining that that history of my own yeah. as you know a, a serious uh, junkie. You know, and then, um, but you know, the part the part about it that was so great was that I walked away feeling so full of gratitude and so free. Yeah. You know, because you were not. I said you know like eight times just now, so I apologize no, but, but, for that right now. Well, you know that you were not a junkie in jail. <laughs> you were able to walk from it because of your sobriety. So it's a big deal. Yes, exactly. And, yeah, and it was very am, cool. am I right that the the woman that you were in the hospital bed next to was also a recovering person? The the actress she was also yes. sensational. Natasha Leone. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. She they, was. She was epic. No, she you, was definitely an epic uh, addict. You guys just nailed it. Just, I was so happy to see that and see it accurately portrayed by both you guys. And it's just fantastic. And then recovery was sort of part of the story too. And it, it really interesting, very, very interesting stuff. And uh, again, as a huge fan of that show, uh, the actresses or any of them like the characters that they play or are they totally different? Uh Oh, we lose her. I don't know. Uh, oh, well, well <laughs> like, let's go. Let's. You can ask that question. When we it was so yeah, hard for me when she yeah. was on that show not to. You know, she'd be coming home from tapings, and I'd call her and go, "Oh, how did your day go today? Yeah. Go, don't don't tell me too much because I know you can't tell me. But <laughs> but don't but don't tell me anything. But how did it go? I mean, like you know. You love that show too. Oh my god, I'm I'm pathological about that I show. When too. I found out she got that role, I went. I would <gasps> if I'd known, I would insist on going down there to the set. I would just shoot, shoot it here. Where was it? New York. In that prison, in the actual prison, it was yeah. somewhere in Queens. I don't that's, care. I would have I, I would have found my way there. I got news for you. I would have gone. <laughs> well, I Queens have those big, their big studios. I, I guess I it was so, Brooklyn, Queens. I, you know, it was yeah, a no, borough, Queens but has I don't know. Big it was studios. somewhere out there, and it so was I, cold. It was January and cold. So I knew that today was going to be Laurel Canyon Day, and I've been looking forward to it because oh, nice. uh, you know I got all the stuff about the. The Love Fest. Did you thing. go to the Love Fest? I've been it was to it so two times. Explain who Owen is for people that may not be familiar with you. <laughs> grew up in Laurel Canyon. That's all you can say. In the time when Laurel Canyon was Laurel Canyon, right? That's a pretty fair way. Of Hello, it, yeah. sorry about that. Oh, no, you don't are worry, not. Man. We've don't been worry. talking about you since you hung up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, No, we're talking about Laurel Canyon for a second because these guys are just I was going nuts them, over Orange's new black. Yeah, we uh, I was telling them, bed. Mac, about when you got the role and how when you were when you were shooting, I was so like. Look, I don't want to ask anything about it, but I kind of want to know, but I don't want to know, but I kind of want to know. I know. It was so hard. I, I told Owen. Owen, Owen, helped, Owen helped keep me sane uh, over the winter, over last winter in New York. Uh, you know, we were texting back and forth a lot. Well, just, you know, had I known you were doing this, I would have actually shown up on that set. So, 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 so I'm glad I did not. It would have embarrassed you. But we were talking about uh, Laurel Canyon. Yeah, Laurel Canyon is just, it's the center of the universe in pop culture and music. And 
I moved back there, and that's how Owen and I became connected. I moved back there to try to live that life that my mom had lived, that your mom had lived, that mm-hmm. Mac's parents had well, lived. Well, explain whoever. It, explain it doesn't who, exist anymore. But, Bob, explain whose parents we're talking who the parents are. So, oh, yeah, so, ex, ex, so. explain to Mac, because I don't think that Mac really even knows the story. Oh, so so a couple so. years ago, we, like my mom's name was Nancy Forrest. She had me when she was 15. Her parents adopted me, and she went about the summer of love, 1967, and moved in with your mom on Hello. Stanley Drive so, or something so like Owen's that. Mom, Owen's mom was Mama Cass. Yeah. Wow. And Bob's mom moved in with <laughs> Our her. Our moms lived together. Can and, you believe that? Well, my mom lived at the, at the benefit of your mother. Yeah, and to be fair, Bob at the time only knew this woman. I that thought it was with, my sister. I thought it was his sister that was living I remember her. when you found out. I, re- I remember that. I remember you. During Celebrity Rehab, you were telling us the story of how your mom's really yeah. your sister, and we were like, what? Yeah, yeah it usually <laughs> yeah. blows people's minds. But what what was crazy is I was being raised by her parents, and she's living in a goddamn Laurel Canyon with those goddamn hippies, right? That's your mom, <laughs> according to my grandpa. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And uh, Max, speaking of family, you, I've got your book in uh, my hands. Is that still something you're promoting, High on Arrival? Uh High on Arrival, absolutely. Yeah. I, I want everybody to read High on Arrival and Hopeful Healing, the second book, which is a, is a very sweet book, a very different kind of book than High on Arrival, but they're both um, good. <laughs> For their own purposes, yes. And oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. A, a lot of your family, uh, Mac, sort of reacted to this, this book. Are, are things healing any better? I am in a wonderful stage of healing in part, thanks to Owen, um, Bijou and China and I and Owen, we, we all hang out and, you know, uh, we, the, it's a beautiful thing, Drew. You'd be so pleased to know I, I that we're back it. in contact on a re- in a real meaningful way. Hey, to hear it, you have no idea. I know, I know how important Bijou particularly was and how that much that hurt you and, Oh my God! Oh, thank you for Mac. Kumbaya, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, I just you. like Kumbaya. Uh, well, they're exactly. all, you know, honestly, they're all really my sisters, if not in in blood, yeah. in heart, if that's a possible yeah. way. Yeah. And it killed me when when they were all not on a fabulous plane. So I'm really glad that, that they are. And a lot of families yeah, go through this over much that, so that, that. more minor situations, right? And yeah. hold grudges unto death. Yeah. And so we need to talk about forgiveness in this country. This country has got to start learning how to forgive and allow. And, I, and, and Bob, I don't, I don't think you have many sympathetic ears. I think the currency of the day is outrage. And yeah, that's all people so... like feeling is outrage and envy. That's it. That's all on all sides. Outrage, envy, outrage, envy. It's all you see and feel. And it was. It started like Max started sharing with me because we were all a part of the book when it came out, and and the healing started a few years ago. And I just I was pessimistic, and then that it really were you? did. Yeah, because people don't forgive anymore. And they and and it's so beautiful that they did, and yeah. things are coming around. I always grew up in a world where, you know, time heals and people forgive, and you know, right. and and right. then it just went into this state of hatred for the last ten, fifteen, twenty years, where I see people being very rigid and not f- allowing forgiveness. That's narcissism, right? Well, I don't <laughs> think people actually really understand forgiveness. 
as oh, as the gift that it is for themselves. Uh, People think, themselves. well, if I forgive this person, I'm co-signing what they did. Yeah. But forgiveness isn't for the other person. Forgiveness is to give you peace, and we all have that opportunity, and I think people uh, really misunderstand what forgiveness is and what it's for uh, and how it actually works and how it's a process, and it's not just like, dude, I'm sorry. You know? Yeah. I think people uh, misrepresent and misunderstand the mechanism of it. Well, Well, don't you think it's fair to say sometimes we spend a lot of time you know, when, when we're forgiving somebody or in an argument with somebody, you spend a lot of time uh, in in pointing right to the event. You did this. You did that. And when you, you know, left your socks on the floor, it, you know, I, uh, you know, the bottom line. Or whatever, yeah. The, the bottom line is that yeah. this really pissed me off. Can we move forward? Or, you know what I mean? It's like the well, you have to go down to the bottom line of it. But it's if, not yeah, about. You, to follow your. Well, we're also, focused, we're also focused on content. Right, and content really isn't that important. It's more context that that I would prefer to look at rather than uh, the contextual thing about it, rather than the actual content of it. Because we could reprocess our angers and our fears and our frustrations and our resentments over and over again. The processing of it isn't what heals it. Right, precisely. I don't think anyway. Precisely where I was going with it. And if you're following your favorite TV show, that's what that that's a. Max role was about. I mean, yes. think about it. They both experienced this thing in the restaurant. They both made claim to it, and they furious with each other that over all this time. And they, but isn't it, it about? At, yeah, yeah. And, and but the, how pathological? Uh, yeah. How pathological that was? Because people this. can really spend years and years and years in that pathology. Yes, right. Yes. So, so, but let's get to where it well, all here's started. The deal. We've no, we talked about this, Drew. Is that you know when you take just take the drugs and alcohol out of the equation. You know, it's like if you get a horse thief sober, you still have a sober horse thief. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. it, it, you know, the, 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 the war between Barbara, Barb and Carol is really on Barb's end about untreated alcoholism. All she did was get rid of the substance without doing any of the work. Yep. And that's when you're not letting go of resentment. You're not letting go of, of old hurts and you're just, you're just in justified anger and resentment. Yep. I think that came across. We all know how. We all know how that ends up. Oh mm. yes. Well, we're not going to tell anybody. But 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 no, we're not going to say a word. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just so excited that they're all talking. I mean, but let's go through because I've really... been a lot of growth on everybody's oh God, part, yes. on Mac's part, on their part. Everybody, you know, well, Mac, you're still you're. Where are you working now? I work at Breathe, Breathe Life Healing Breathe. Center in West Hollywood. But you guys, I don't carry a, I don't carry a caseload anymore. Um, I'm more in upper management. I'm a director there now. So I have a, a department called referral relations. And so I still run groups and stuff like that, but I'm more, I guess, upper management. Max, is the way you would say Mac, it. Yeah. Mac, like in all chemical dependency, I'm always associated with MAP. And when Drew and I think of McKenzie, we think of PRC. Do we want to get into what happened at PRC? My, Drew doesn't want I'm to. I'm not sure. Cause I really wasn't there. You, do you have any feelings? I read the article that yeah. came out today, yeah. yeah. And I, I knew what happened there about a month ago. I heard that the state had shut them down. So, yeah. And that... that it's, it's sad. It's sad, but but it 
you know, our industry as a whole has got a real come to Jesus. Everybody needs to start thinking about what is right and what is ethical and what is honorable. And why are we, why did we get into this business in the first right. place? And that's this what I thought. In the first place. That's, that's what I thought Mac, we could jump off to, which that's is. A, that's here, the question. That's a great, great way to frame it. Look at it this way. It, the recovery industry is not the hotel industry. It is saying right. this is a spiritual way of life we're talking about. And Owen, it's sleazier than the music music business. Is it? Yes. That's a pretty okay. that's a horrible is it, thing to is it really bad. Is it sleazier than the, really than the music really business? Wow. Mackenzie, you've been in I mean, both too. I mean we're at Breathe we have something called the Fair Care Promise where we won't work with any unethical providers. We won't refer to unethical providers and we have a standard of care and a standard of excellence with our clients and with our business that we will not step below that standard that we've set for ourselves. And there are people who are very greedy and very money hungry and aren't in this business to spread the beauty of recovery and help people get well. Uh, and, and, you know, those people are being weeded out. They are, they are getting weeded out, but it's, it's just an interesting thing that both Mac and I work in treatment and it's, you know, I've thought about leaving the treatment industry for the last 10 years, to, but and then I try to fight the good fight and, and you can say those, those nice things that we do the right thing and all that kind of stuff, but we have to take responsibility for our industry. That's mm-hmm. what I, I think. You know, somebody has to stand up and say, "No, this is wrong." And well, my idea was, there needs do to be it some right. laws governing. Huh? There needs to be some. Why laws. is there no laws governing it? I, I I don't know, but there needs to be some. Just like because every nobody other. Nobody ever signed need for it. Yeah. Well, no, there's nobody. Because <laughs> it was so, why there's so no like... law. That's it's well, really nobody... really simple. Well, because because this is an industry that's dealing with the disenfranchised that's a, portion she, of of, right. the, of society. That's exactly right. And no one really ever gave a crap that's about right. You know, that and is... now we're starting to chip away at the stigma and really start looking at this as, as a mental health issue as opposed to a moral issue. 100%. And so more and more time goes by and more and more people are understanding that we are a huge portion of society. And we have a lot to offer, but yeah. we need to be clean and sober to be able to use our gifts. No, that's exactly it, Bob, is that there's nobody to advocate on behalf of addicts in the government. They just don't, don't even care. And now that it's getting to be yeah. everybody, it's but so I mean, pervasive. didn't we fight this fight in the eighties when the president of the United States' wife said, "I'm a drug addict"? Nope, she said, "I'm an alcoholic." She said she's an and, addict, and, alcoholic. And, and, By right. the time she founded Betty Ford, but, she said she was. An yeah, addict. but but I, I, I tell you, society does not look at alcoholics and addicts the same way. You're right. See, Mac? She, they, just, they just don't. I'm going home. Mac's going to speak on my behalf the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in Orange is the New Black, drug addicts are put in jail. Yep. Right? They're immoral. They're, they're, right. they're right. criminals. They're criminals. Alcoholics are just hard driving, good old boys. Things got out of hand. Coal mining. Yeah. Coal whiskey, mining. whiskey drinking. Coal yeah. And by the way, unless you're a Coal woman, l- unless you're a female. My dad, my dad I, I, have was family, a I have family man. like that. Unless you're a female, then you're a lush and a slut and a vamp and all this other stuff. We yeah. have this horrible language to use on female alcoholics. But Betty Ford turned that around a bit. She turned that around. But not yeah. for addiction. Not for addiction. So I much. really thought it would come in an, in an enlightened period and then we just added on to that enlightened period. And now I just see it's going back. 
and the industry itself is not able to defend itself because it's not a very ethical industry. Right. So there needs to be guidelines, more guidelines for how programs are run and stuff. And then don't forget what my profession is doing. They've never seen a recovering drug addict. So they I know. Just, they just... He loves this. A couple of podcasts ago, he hasn't forgotten it. I will that never forget That was a comment it. on a doctor who was on a podcast who had never met a recovering person. Opiate addict. She, I, I said, <laughs> I, we, I, I said, I said really? certainly, I go, how do you select your patients for abstinence? She goes, abstinence, that's ridiculous. And I go, what do you mean it's ridiculous? And I started talking to her. I go, have you ever met a seen a recovering opiate addict? No, impossible. Of course where's, not. Where does she live? She's a she's impossible. an addiction expert. <laughs> yes, she's an from, addiction from expert. Where? From New York not, City. Uh, yeah, New York City. Big program. Like somewhere in no big program. Alaska. Like. And she's an excellent physician, but she huh. does, my peers don't see. They don't understand this disease. They don't see it in all its arcs. They just see at the front end with the medical problems, or they give them the replacement therapies. They don't understand the actual illness itself and how it affects the mind and the brain. And that's a conversation. I remember hearing you speak once, Drew, and you said, you know, six hours is is the most training that physicians get. Well, now now they get now they get training in how to how to prescribe magic pills and lozenges and things for addicts because they get better with pills, don't you know? Exactly. Man? They get better with pills. You know that. Don't man. you know? Yeah. Does yeah. Ever, doesn't everyone? Treat Everybody. a substance use disorder with a different version of the substance oh. that caused the disorder in the first place. Oh. Yeah. It's really anyway. bad. So let's trace, ah. where it all, let's trace where it all went wrong because I, I want you guys are moms. I want you to bear with me for a second. So 12-step approach worked for Five generations, Drew, not four. Yeah. Bill Wilson was born in 1897. Wow. It, it worked for the people of the Jazz Age, the people of the war, the people of the post-war, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, and 80s, and 90s, yep. and 2000s. So you're talking about like, like 80 six, years. six or – yeah, 80 years. Yeah. And now it's just stopping cold in its tracks with millennials. And I keep – they hate Really? It. They hate it. They don't, they don't even understand what you're talking about. So – and Mac, I don't know if you're having what? the same experience. So I started tracing back what is different about millennials than there is about all these other generations. And it was the self-esteem movement in parenting and unconditional love movements in parenting. Now, we all grew up in conditional love households. Your, ba- your merit is based on your, your input, explain it Drew because it can be rough and harsh if you get a C and you get yelled at or paddled or whatever I'm not saying that but there was conditions upon approval yeah this, and now there are no conditions upon approval it, it that combined with the internet has created what I've been trying to coach Bob up on is this Dunning-Kruger phenomenon Dunning-Kruger effect is a psychological principle it's the kind of cognitive distortion that would have somebody stand up at American Idol and sing like shit and then go, man, was, wasn't that great? Wasn't that great? Because you, yeah. you literally don't have the cognitive experience of knowing better. Of self-criticism. Of self-criticism or self-assessment. And so online they get all the feedback. They get all the information. They know everything <laughs> and they're experts. And then when you really – push them on who you, they are, what they know. Even, There's nothing there, Drew, but they don't know that. It's even worse than that. If you even but that's not suggest, narcissistic tendency? Even, not necessarily. If you even suggest that, that they're not a good singer, they take it personally. It's a wound. And then, it's a deep wound. And then 
attack. Projectile. Attack, yes. Objective, projective <clears throat> so, identification. So I'm, I'm really puzzled. Mac, what are you doing at Breathe? You're getting more focused on relaxation, meditation, that sort of stuff? Because, the, well, you know, we're, me, we're, just we're basically shooter. stage one trauma treatment. Um, and our day, like, is spent in a therapeutic way. It's not like, like when I worked at another facility, I'm using air quotes, another facility, <laughs> as a counselor, I would sit in my office, you know, going over a client step one with them. That was part of what, you know, yeah. the counselors were supposed to do there, as opposed to allowing our clients to, you know, uh, uh, find 12-step or other recovery with the mentor staff in the evening after they leave the clinic. Right. And so we're really, you know, licensed marriage family therapist based with with some certified counselors as well but we're really based in internal family systems um you know different type dbt stuff like that and um as opposed to you know sitting around uh uh you know doing steps with going over the steps with a client basically sponsoring a client you know that that's not working and i'm not i'm seeing the occasional millennial who wants to go to refuge recovery or who wants to go to smart recovery. But I'm seeing a lot. Uh, I mean, and maybe, maybe it's, it's who we treat or the demographic of who we treat that is open to a 12 step modality. I'm, I'm wondering if the DBT is helping. I, I wonder if that's sort of what gets I think them. It, yeah. Cause it seems like, yeah, I think it might be do you have DBT groups? really helpful. Do you have DBT groups as well? We have DBT groups. Yeah. And we have ACT groups. And we have um, internal family systems, Richard Schwartz's whole thing about the different parts of self and how they step in to protect the, the actual self. And, and you're teaching you know, this it's, to it's really kind of interesting. I can't to even understand what you're talking well, about. Well, to, to be fair. And you, and you believe that millennials are. Well, she must, she must be getting a good uh, subset. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, Harvard, the, the, the Harvard graduates. Well, whatever. They're ones that are. are you, so explain what DBT and ACT is. Well, go ahead, Mac. I'll let you do it. Well, dialectical behavioral therapy is uh, a modality that uh, actually uses. It's not like Drew. Will you take over on this? Well, it's Sunday essentially afternoon? it's essentially a, a way of helping people understand the contents of other people's minds. You know how borderlines lose track of that. That DBT helps them with that to a great extent. And how it's does just it a, work? It's it's like it's a form of cognitive behavioral therapy. It's a way of just looking at their thinking, looking at their assessing the way they're reacting to other people. And it's it works. It tends to work. It doesn't get a go away. Borderline process doesn't go away, but they tend to be able to manage some of their affects better and their perceptions of other people. Their effects on other people. And their perceptions of other people too. And, and you don't think the twelve steps can help people? Oh, do oh that. I do. I think the twelve step done. Oh, you properly, understand what I'm saying? Yes, I know. I, I to, done properly because the twelve steps taught me that. I know. I know. It done properly. It should be all that. But it just tends not to be today a lot of the time. And so people sometimes need trained DBT professionals. So, so maybe to we do that. need like and maybe that's a function of their personality structures that you know, they can't get into it, they can't get initiated in the process till they've done something like a DBT professionally managed and then like as, Montessori and then pre K. Right. Well that's what <laughs> that's, that's what, what I'm saying. But but the problem is the problem with all of this is like the people you and I used to treat, they wouldn't remember any of it. They were they were so out of it that they wouldn't they wouldn't have any any recollection of any of what we were trying to do with them. So you have to get the right population in the right time time frame too. Also, uh, we we don't we at Breathe we don't 
we don't do detox. I mean, I remember yeah, sitting same. at this other oh, facility, yeah. air quotes, yeah. with uh, clients who were still titrating off of Valium. You yeah, know? You're, you're using uh, a, you're getting a well, a well population is ready for treatment kind of thing and motivated too, to, again, to, right. sit, to sit through all that. Right. We don't take anybody who's, who's still on any meds of, of you know, that, that, the type of meds so that I Bob mean, and I used to like. Yeah, that, well, <laughs> so, so, I think Bob still likes them. <laughs> they're all, they're all, I don't know about you, Mac. I think Bob around. <laughs> um, but, but I, I'm just, I'm trying to figure it out. And one was our moms, our families were a part of she, the sixties. You're point, not a part of it. No, pointing it all right. It was love. Right, ah. love, and Ringo still talks about it all the peace time. And and people, love, people peace and love, people laugh at him. I do laugh. People at him. laugh at him. I do yeah. personally. I laugh. At him. <laughs> peace and love, peace and love. Don't laugh, don't laugh at him. He didn't do so, anything to you. So love, and what happened was along. I tell, tell you, why I laugh at him because he says he's incredibly aggressive. Hurtful, you know, malevolent things. Then goes, I mean it with peace and love, peace and love. It's like, dude, just just say, just be aggressive. It's fine. Don't, don't give me the peace and love yeah. crap. But but you understand that love was an idea that came out of Laurel Canyon, out of San Francisco, that our parents embraced. Right? You mean love of the hippie sort? Is, love is, of just, what, yeah. I don't wait, know well, that it was hippie. well, parse that out. What do you mean by that? That's very interesting. Well, I mean that the idealism. Of, of, to, of, uh, of that period of time. Yeah, to not is, capitalism is evil. Love, just share with people. Communal, free, free love, free love. 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 See, as true. It always gets this. Well, because as opposed to consequential love. <laughs> well, because it's people uh, living in a fantasy yes, based on their they own were traumas. Definitely living in a fantasy. Yeah, they they were creating a fantasy that was a defensive structure but against their traumas. They did a good job for like three years. It worked. Until nineteen seventy, it worked. 1969. I would argue it never worked. What do you think, you, Owen? Oh, Owen's scrunched, I, I don't know. Up, I was too you young. You scrunched up your forehead. Her mom died because of it. it. But you've well, read about it. You've, you know as, about as, it. As a consequence of it, yeah. I I believe they were onto something, and then it got corrupted by criminals and psychopaths and, and greedy, and it got misinterpreted as sexual, possessive, uh, kind of perverted. And the, but by the time you get to 75... You got heroin addiction, swinging, and that's where Drew always loves to point at seventy-five. So it's a it's a straight course, it's a straight line to all. But that. it started altruistic. You don't it, think oh, it started, the, the principle was altruistic, but the reality was sick. It was a boundaryless. The reality was the reality was sick. People people were you know sort of nomadic vagabonds without any real roots, well, and they were sort of un. Unwashed and wasted. But let's and, talk. And then they had babies. But let's talk yeah. practically. You know? My mother and then was, tried to raise those children. Wait, my mother and was. We're the ones that ended up. With the we're the ones that ended up shooting dope in '75, Bob. I know. That's well, right. hold me your '79. Every hold your thought, everybody. <laughs> we'll, we'll debate the exact year after we get back. Taking a quick break. Well, it's about time for athletes, trainers to report for the start of the fall season, but we are still dealing with that extreme heat. So even if you're training indoors, dehydration is a major issue for amateurs and pros. Water, sports drinks, they do not do a great job. I've known this for a long time. That's why I wanted to develop a product. Instead, Hydrolyte came along, so I strongly suggest you stay ahead of your hydration with Hydrolyte. 
The best way to stay hydrated is with a proper balance of sodium, glucose, and water. And Hydrolate does this better than anything else I've tried. Everyone here swears by it. My wife, my kids, my patients. I use it if patients need rehydration. It's a way to replete hydration orally. This gets you ahead of the game. And so you can sometimes avoid hospitalization things in my experience. Hydrolite comes in great flavors like orange berry and lemonade. Available as a pre-mixed drink, a powder, or my personal preference is these effervescence tablets. You simply drop in a glass of water or a bottle of water. Literally, uh, we don't leave home without these. Compared to sports drinks, Hydrolite delivers up to four times the electrolytes with 75% less sugars. Hydrolite solutions are appropriate for all ages, and each bottle or package includes easy-to-follow instructions. This is the best hydration product out there, period, and you can find Hydrolite at Rite Aid or at hydrolite.com slash drdrew, D-R-D-R-E-W. And for a limited time, our listeners can save 30% on Hydrolite just sent my daughter over to buy this stuff. She's like, I need Hydrolite. I'm like, go to the website and use the code DrDrew18, D-R-D-R-E-W-18 at checkout. That is H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E.com, Hydrolite.com, slash D-R-D-R-E-W-18. To use that code, get 30% off. You won't need any other hydration products. It's the best. Okay, so we're, so we're back. back. We're back. Okay, so, so Mac was saying at 75 is when the heroin starts and all that, but... But I'm going to give a human example. My mother, who I thought was my sister, was six years and 15. She was 21 years old, walking around the Sunset Strip, and your mom took her in. She had no money. She had no job. She had no place to live. She was just a kind, lost soul. And your mother took her into your your house where it's you were such an amazing story that's it, beautiful it, it's, it's beautiful it doesn't shock me because that's the kind of person that she was how old was your mom uh, tw- her my mom time. was 21 she was 15 when i was born so she was 20 so, maybe. so what year 20. do you think this was 67 so, okay, so she would have been my mom would have been 26 years old and if it was 67 that's the year i was born depends on where right. in 67 yeah i don't I, it was she yeah. took in a very mentally ill homeless person <laughs> when she and, was when she was hugely pregnant or had a newborn yeah, at home. Yeah. So and the sense in this is, is escaping. Are, you guys and, and are Bob, so thank you for bringing me down. And Bob, how did it work out? I for thought her it mental, was so friggin' lovely. And how did it work but, out you know. for her mental health? For your mom's mental health? Well, my was, mom met Stephen Sills and we moved to his house. Yeah, it, it oh. really it, <laughs> it amplified her pathology. I mean, she really oh, she spiraled God. out and never recovered because of all that. Now you could look at it however you want. I mean, but it re- I mean that the kind act of was compassion that- we all talk about wanting to have as a society, and people were putting it into practice in the mid to it, late. It, you're, 1960s. you're right in the most in the most perverse kind of way. If they had done it with some foundation in understanding or knowledge or intervention for on behalf of people, which is we could do that now, and we still don't. I think that's what's sick about now. Now we look now, at the homeless people. I now. know now we could do it properly. We don't, and that's sick, and we need, I agree with you, a big dose of what Owen's mom had. I totally agree with that. Well, well I, it looks I, like I, Owen doesn't think we do. Well, that part, that part. <laughs> no, I, I think I'm... I think there may have been ulterior motives that we'll discuss off... Oh, okay. Uh-oh. See, and there was my a mo- lot of my that. Mother, my mother wasn't, you know, clean and sober her whole life, and oh, she may have, she may have, you know... Found a using buddy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or whatever. It could be. Yeah, I I think Bob, Bob, your view of this is is beautiful and it's very bucolic. I'd like to to stay there. Thank you for that. (laughs) 
<laughs> I just think that it went wrong in the seventies. It went wrong in the seventies, and then we we became a real strange society, and now it's just absurd. And we have to get back to some sort of basis of compassion. You know what? I, what do you I think? never liked W, but he actually came up with a term compassionate conservative. Yeah. Everybody should be conservative. Independents should be uh, compassionate. Absolutely. Every, uh, Republicans and sure. Democrats should be compassionate. Of course. Every Christians should be. should be compassionate. Of course. Bob. But there's no compassion in our society. Yes, there's outrage only. <laughs> That's all there is. I just think it's funny that we are so desperate that we look back on George W. Bush. <laughs> I know. Isn't that with crazy? With such like, you know. Isn't that crazy? There was the word compassion in his platform. But Bob, let me ask this. What do you think your mom and Owen's mom and Max family, what do you think they were reacting to? Where, where, did, where did that all their stuff come from? Well, my mom, button, well, alcoholism in their family, in the family, okay, and buttoned down. So you had the culture had, had anything happening its top had any, button, had anything, ha- and you had uh, families that were. You know, when you look at Jim Morrison's dad, yeah. Have you ever read the letter Jim Morrison's dad wrote to him? Yeah. Have you read it? And, and what has unbelievable? And what had his dad just been through? He was a Marine sergeant or something in the Second World War. <laughs> so, so we're talking so, about PTSD. We're so, talking about okay. depression. So we're talking about their family all came through the Second World War with the PTSD and the depression, right the translocations. Yep. And the they grew up with that and went, I'm going to go out and be free. I don't want to be under the influence of a yeah, Marine sergeant. Yeah, let's go be free. But well, that's a reaction to the trauma of the right Second on, World War. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, well, the, imagine what it's yeah. like in England. We didn't, you know, other than the soldiers. It's really interesting you would say that because yeah. I, when I really started having to feel like I was researching my mom's life and started reaching back into the family and started wondering where this tremendous depression came from that sure. we were all, you know, suffering from, like generationally. Yeah, and um. And I track it back to my great-grandmother who uh, came to the United States before the Second World War. From? Poland. Oh, my God. Probably on the heels heels of Hitler blowing through. No, no, no. Before. Pogroms. Before. Pogroms. She comes over. She wants to marry. She comes over ostensibly to make her living so she can go home and marry this guy who she's fallen in love with, who's from the wrong side of the tracks. She makes her living in the United States, goes back to Poland, and he's already married somebody. And so she comes back to the United States and goes into an arranged marriage, blah, blah, blah. 20 oh. years goes by. The, the war starts. Yeah. Her entire family is wiped out yeah. in the Second World War. Yeah. They are marched to a, a, a grave that they've dug themselves in the forest and get in it. Wow. Yeah, you can't. And that's it. So then, so then they live with that depression. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, and, 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 and the PTSD and the and denial. then they raise children with that depression. With who the, raise children? The with intergenerational that depression. traumas passed down. Then, of course, it yeah. is because it, it, you don't appreciate how many millions of people were affected by how this. Did she we don't. We don't think about it now. How did she, she came back. Was she, she an addict? No, no, she she um, usually oh. the addicts survive. The alcoholics, right? yeah, yeah, the alcoholics. No, she she wasn't an addict or an alcoholic. She um, she... was terrifically depressed. Her lived entire in New life. York. She she lived in New York. Right. Um, she <laughs> it gets even worse for her. She ends up like coming back to the states, like I said, going into an arranged marriage, having three kids. They grow up. They all leave home. She's still married to this guy that she's in this arranged marriage with when he is found murdered in a motel in 
Baltimore, he's been rolled by a hooker. Oh, uh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, oh, my God. So then she's really depressed. Like, the depression just like kept it just kept going. Yeah, that's your mom's mom or your mom's mom's mom? My mom's mom. Mo- my mother's. Mother's mom. My, mo- my mother's, mother's grandmother. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. my great-grandmother, yeah. the one that had come from Poland. Yeah, and so you're, you're... So not only does she lose her entire family in Poland, the guy she's been married to for 25 or 35 years is found dead in a motel room. Uh, right? So here we are. <laughs> right. It's all good. California jeans. Somewhere along the line. No, what you, what you get is people that just don't feel good inside yeah. and don't know why. But how do they come up with such beautiful music? Well, did, first well, of all, but hang on. Mackenzie's dad wrote that. We had, we had, after the 50s, there was money and there was mobility and there was unhappiness. And so fuck that. I'm going out to California and I'll be happy. And I'm going to just be in love with love and everybody. So unrealistic, so be nutty. Be sure to wear some flowers in your hair. Yeah. So right. nutty, so right. nutty, beyond nutty. Beautiful idea, beyond nutty. And but that's, they still that's have why, all when, the, that's all why the when stuff. a Rinko says peace and love, peace and love, yeah. my, my skin, my skin crawls. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Mac, is that is that any any close to your family's heritage? What was your what no? Was, uh, what was your dad's dad? No, it, what was your dad's grandfather my, like? My dad. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's father was a, a major in the Marine Corps. Second he spent the last years of his life after he was decommissioned, uh, drinking in the basement. So two uh, two former four military roses. people created John Phillips and Jim Morrison. Of course. Of course. This is crazy. It's the greatest it's the greatest generation, Bob. <laughs> Look what they and created. They all died when they were twenty seven. <laughs> that's that's why that whole idea is so bizarre. And probably most of the greatest generation probably had, died on Omaha Beach anyway. Had, it's so crazy. Listen, Gabor Mate tells this amazing story. He says that when he was an infant and the Wehrmacht was was marching into Hungary, that um you know, his mother was very anxious all the time and scared, okay. Okay. and she called the uh, the pediatrician and said, I don't know what's wrong. Gabor is crying. There's nothing wrong. I mean, yes, you know, they're yeah. marching down the street. And the doctor said, all my Jewish babies are crying. Oh. They're reacting to the anxiety of the parents. Of course. You of course. can feel the anxiety. If you have an anxious parent who's yep. afraid and, and, and or angry all the time, you know, that energy gets transferred or, or, or onto trauma, the child, and then you carry that, and you don't know where it came from. That's Why am I exactly, so anxious and depressed right. all the time? That's exactly right. Intergenerational you know, transmission of trauma is a phenomenal experience. So phenomenal. I wonder how much of that it just ends up translating to addiction, that, that feeling of... Well, Not yeah, feeling well, good and feeling well, uncomfortable and depressed. Well, I'm fair. trying to Down zero in on the 60s ideas. We're blowing it all up for you, Bob. Relax. I know. <laughs> but so, Where the so ideas come from? By, where did the summer of love come from? It, you're saying it came from military backgrounds money, money, and multi-generational no. trauma. Trauma, but money, mobility. And a mobility. bunch of people moved to Laurel Canyon and said, fuck it, we're just going to love each other. Money, money, mobility, and baby boom. Don't forget the demographics because the babies were now teenagers took over. There was this huge boom of young people and the culture shifted and decided the young people, young people were the repository of all wisdom, which was the craziest thing ever. That's where we really went off the rail. We decided that 18-year-olds know best because they were angry about the war, and we wanted to co-sign that. We didn't want them to go. They didn't want to go to war. They had a reasonable argument about the war. They know best. We better keep listening to them. They seem to be going somewhere. 
that's the new generation. Yeah. Remember the big remember the, we used to talk all the time about the generation gap. Do you remember that in the sixties? Yeah. Generation gap. That was something yeah, that never I been ever that. thought of before. And that's because there were all these people traumatized, mobile, money, who didn't want to do it, didn't want to do what their parents did, and, re- and were just rebellious. And uh, they came up with these beautiful ideas that their parents should co sign, man. Relax, man, you're so harsh. You're so uptight, man. <laughs> Right? Am I? Am oh, I what do you think? No, I just yeah. feel like I feel right, yeah. like I'm one generation removed from that. Right. I kind of I kind of straddle a weird time, period of time in where I was born because I, I, being born in '67, I'm I'm that four or five years makes it makes it's it a big difference. difference. It does. Yeah. It, it really yeah. really does. And when were you so, back in? I was 61. When were you born, McKinley? I was 50, 59. Okay. Yeah, see, so, so we were that. We, I remember it all. I remember. I remember Kennedy getting shot. I remember the hippies being in Palm Springs all I, naked, I remember, and my dad thinking Laurel Canyon, where Nancy lives, has come to our town now. These goddamn hippies. This is your dad. <laughs> this is your dad who you saw over my the gra- over the over the fence swinging with his neighbors. Is that him? Same guy? No, no, that's Nancy's husband. Oh, Nancy's husband. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's Wait, the one. Uh, that's the, a the sister mom. That's so a, confusing. No, that's a sister mom. <laughs> oh Jesus. Yeah, the sister mom. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the mom. I had an aunt mom. Did you? Yeah, I did. My mom's sister was raised, my mom. Yeah, my aunt mom. No, but not. but you knew about it. Yeah, I was I was in on it. It was not by it, was it, not was, it wasn't a secret. There was, was no biological confusion. No, it yeah. was definitely yeah. so Wow, this is so crazy, this conversation. <laughs> but I, we go I just, here. because I think so we're in crisis yeah, now, yeah. and if we retrace our steps to the crisis before, you'd get some insight about now. Like I, I told you, I'm on a media blackout. I don't watch any news. I don't read it's anything. Way I don't care. I watched, I watched Audie Murphy Western movie this morning. Good it for was you. awful. Called Texican. Go watch Orange the New <laughs> instead of MSNBC. Or watch something, an Orange you know? the New Black. It'll make you happy. <laughs> Well, particularly this last season. Jail makes me nervous. <laughs> Still, at the beginning, let's, though. let's well, get to McKenzie. The best part's I, at the end. I can't watch any jail things because I was in jail a lot. Oh. I just I, oh, this will make you crazy. Well, then just watch the, the last episode. And you'll get your. I, I smoked crack in jail one time. It was the worst thing to do ever. Why? Because you're so in nervous. jail. Yeah. <laughs> McKenzie, do you need to know yeah. why? <laughs> No, because you're in jail and you're smoking crack. That's, that must have been awful. It's the first bad sign. I like the way the answer of both of you, I, ask, I go, why? And the answer of both of you is because you're in jail and you're smoking crack. Yeah. <laughs> so what's next? What's next I mean, you? Uh, let's, uh, let's agree that you know crack is usually smoked in a small, airless, dark room. To be fair. Not, not with, with bars on the window. Not with 100 you know? people in it. Yeah, the paranoia, I get it. <laughs> Uh, so what's next? Yeah. Who yeah, asked yeah, yeah. first? For Mackenzie, where, is she going to keep working in treatment? I'm definitely going to keep working in treatment. There's nothing that will take me out of this world. I, 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 at first, when I started acting on One Day at a Time again, and then Orange is the New Black came along, I thought that I thought to myself, people in the treatment industry are going to judge me because I can't straddle the fence. I can only be one or the other. Oh no! You can't. Uh, and you can then I realized that I can do both yeah. and and still be able to work for the good for my people, addicts and alcoholics who suffer 
And it only raises my visibility to chip away at the stigma the more acting work that I can do. Yes. I, I, there, you, will, you, know? you, will, you will encounter some envy and jealousy here and there, but for the most part, people will back exactly what you're describing. And in working, doing the work is what's meaningful. The acting is just fun then, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, one time when I was doing Orange is the New Black and I had a couple of days off, so I jumped on a plane to get back in the office and I walked in to breathe in the morning and I ended up, you know, talking to one of the therapists and we were talking about a particular client and, you know, we're like, what can we do to best serve this client? And I almost burst into tears with gratitude that this work has such gravitas and such meaning for me. And I I almost was like, God, I can't even believe I have to go back to New York and pretend I'm in jail, (laughs) you know, uh, because. This work really calls to me every day, and I look forward to going in to breathe every day. It's kind of crazy. Who would have thought? Where did they film that thing? It was a completely uh, insignificant In assignment. Queens, at a place called Kaufman Astoria Studios in Queens. There are all those big studios in, in Queens now, mm-hmm. in, in Brooklyn. Yeah, is yeah. One, is that one, as you come yeah. off what, Randall Island or something, is a huge studio. It's like Silver Cup Studio or something. All oh, right. yeah, we shot some stuff at Silver Cup, too, in the Bronx. Yeah. What was that? There must be another yeah. one. I don't think that's Bronx what I'm thinking of. But but uh, what's what are you up to on what's up next? What's up next? Well, we just finished uh, doing a benefit in Laurel Canyon. Speaking of Laurel Canyon, uh, that was a really cool thing. Love to Street be, Festival. The Love Street Festival. Thank you. And um, it was really cool. We closed down Laurel Canyon Boulevard, which had never happened before in mm. history. So that was kind of a neat thing to so you were the ones I was cursing that afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably. Yeah, it was them. Well, then you know what you should be cursing is all the news stations that didn't pick up on the story when they were given it by oh, you know, whatever. Weird. So they should have at least warned right. people. That's but, weird. But in any event, it was a lot of fun, and um, we the the city council uh, renamed part of Laurel Canyon Boulevard. Actually, I'm sorry, Rothdale Trail, which runs behind Laurel Canyon Boulevard, right behind the Laurel, the Canyon Store. Renamed it Love Street after yeah, the door after the doors. Jim that's house is right there. That's correct. After it's in conjunction yeah. with the fifty year anniversary Which of the release of Love Street. That orangish one, the stone one on the right, but it burned down. It's got a little bell in the yeah, it's a bell. Bell in the bell in the belfry as it as it were. So it's a friend of so mine. Say nothing of the current <laughs> resident. <laughs> Queens of mine, friend of mine, owns the house and. Elvis has been there several times, and he gets in connection with the spirit of Jim Morrison. Ah. He calls him Jim. He didn't even know who his house it was. Elvis, oh, your really? son. Yeah, Elvis, he your doesn't son. know who Jim Morrison wow. is. Wow. Oh, that's a nice crazy. segue and, into my next podcast. And, huh? <laughs> yeah, nice... it's a good one. for You could have Elvis on about this Jim. He just started wow. saying, Jim, Jim, wow. when he was like three years old. Wow. And so the guy lets us go into the house. That's now Elvis is eight and into video games. He doesn't remember any of that. Well, I that house has house. actually been sold in the last couple of years. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a there's a, a lady that lives there now. Oh, okay. Um, well, after all this, you know, the conversation about about that period of history, and there there is there like with every period of history, there are good things to be gleaned, right? There's definitely they left behind things to be enjoyed, to be appreciated, absolutely. to be understood. I, I I see. You know, I was zeroing in on the parents that either dealt with the war or were in the war and and a lot of what happened on their parenting was either emotional abuse physical abuse mm-hmm. ignore ign- like like you had you were cut loose and you're sort of out there do your own thing then you became object of, of abuse by other people 
And particularly if you're having emotional yep. abuse at home, you become a candidate for abuse by neighbors and neighbors, whatever. Right. So there was. That's how. That's the soup that created all this. Uh, and for whatever reason, the the kids that came out of all that had tremendous cultural currency at the time. And I, I suspect that that if you really, I will never know. But one of the big reasons was the next war, which is the Vietnam War. And I think that's somehow yep. somehow they gained their currency through that because they were saying, no more war, we want love. And that that was what caught. And that became, that became the harbinger of wisdom. Therefore, youth knows best. And off we went. Does that make sense? That yeah, fit? but it, it happened in it one neighborhood in Los Angeles. Yeah, but that's the music part. To be fair, that's the music part, and, and you're right. It's, it was magical from music. You're talking about, d- just so you, I can d- describe it right, her mom's house is off of yeah. Wonderland. Yeah. No, Joni it was, Mitchell. It was off of Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson. Right. And you go up, right? It goes around the it's top. It's off of Mulholland. Yeah, right but it also top. comes down to the bottom. Sure. Right. But so Many different yeah. little roads. But just let me just describe it. Joni Mitchell. Mamas and Papas, Jim Morrison, The Doors, Jimi Hendrix, all from one let, little let, let tiny me, one square me, mile neighborhood. Me, Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa. It's, it's coinciding. But, but it's coinciding. You just think coinc- it's coincidence? Uh, but, I, I do, but, but I think they all lived there happily ever after, as it were. I mean, it, it was a bitchin' place to be. And let me argue, if you really look at the history of that canyon, Charlie Chaplin. Houdini, Houdini, uh, Lead H.G. Belly. Wells, Lead Belly. Lead Belly. Everybody's lived in that canyon. They had a creative streak because what is it had. About it? It, well, it had a proximity to Hollywood. It, Hollywood, it is, and it's a cool. Not it's a cool, Nichols Canyon has a proximity to Hollywood. Yeah, but that's money. That's people's money. <laughs> this is this is people who are creative. I mean, it's throughout for a hundred years. Well, and I, shot, you know, it's still that way. I'm sure there was some sort of harmonic convergence or collective consciousness. Something, some sort of, you know, yeah. thing like that that was going on there but, but, I mean, at, so, at that so time that, you know, we, we can't recreate. You've been to the Houdini? It so, happens yeah, yeah. when it happens. You know who lived there? You know who lived in the Houdini mansion? Yeah. Your old friend Ricky Rack. Well, he, no way. He guys, lived in that house. Oh, Crazy. my God. That's you guys, you know there is no Houdini it. mansion, right? Well, there's a Houdini statue it's, next to the house. Well, there's a Houdini It's a, it's a guest house. It's a it's little a tiny house. house. There's nothing yeah. on it. It's a bunch we of had gardens. The, we yeah. had the, the gentleman who owns the Houdini Mansion, Jose so Ho, Jose Luis. I don't, <laughs> I don't know his last name. I'm going to be massacred for this. He was he generously loaned that estate to us for all of the sound checks and the rehearsals okay. oh, before the shows at oh the, my God. At the Love Festival. It's got beautiful gardens. The yeah. gardens are phenomenal, yeah. and a lot of the original rock work is still yeah. there because there was a mansion there, and it burned, burned down. down. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's the mansion across the street. Is that's Chaplin? Isn't it? Across the no, that actually know. belongs to Rick Rubin. Yeah, it's Rick Rubin. There's Rick. a tunnel there that went under Laurel Canyon. Now it's all broken down. Uh-huh. We well, they down they there. had to they had to uh, stop that up. I was talking to the um, the person, the curator, the person that takes care of that Houdini estate, yeah. and she said they had to close that tunnel up years ago because there were just vermin and all kinds of. <laughs> to be fair, though, it, it, it's people a ma- you knew. It's a magical. <laughs> it's a it's a magical place. It's a magical place in the literally the ecosystem is unlike anywhere else in Los Angeles, and for whatever reason, it attracted creative types. But that having been said, Mac and got- these are the- and- we're still going. We're still going. We've 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 covered a lot of territory. <laughs> Mac, I think. Thank you for joining. Uh, I've got still. I'm going to call you and ask a million more questions and geek out about Orange is the New Black. He's not su- stock, not subject to. Please do. 
I'd love that, Drew. All right, done and done. Uh, Owen, thank you so much for coming and sharing the stuff with the stories with us. This has been a very I've, – I've been fascinated by this conversation. Fascinated. And, uh, and Owen's coming on my podcast next, so on the, I, don't, I don't know if Mac is, but she's probably and what's too the name, afraid. What's the name of your podcast? Uh, calling out with Susan Pinsky. There you go. We're going to have to do that Houdini house one of these days. Maybe we should go up there. Be fun. Do a field trip. No, I don't, know. I don't the think Jim there's Morrison anything house. going on up there. That's the truth. Yeah, the Jim Morrison. He house. never lived there. Yeah. yeah, he hung out at the guest house across the street. Oh. and that, that was, was it. That and was then, Frank Zappa's house, Tom Mix's house. Right, right. But before it was that. See, we know the history of Laurel Canyon here, people. <laughs> All right, everybody. We're gonna wrap it up. Thank you, guys. We'll Love see you guys. Bye, Bye. Matt. Bye. See you. Bye. We'll see you next time. All right, that's about it for this episode of This Life. Check us out at KBC, being uh, Lawrence Vaughn, 790 Midday Live Talk Radio, Monday to Friday. You can also tune in every day live via the magic of the internet at kbc.com. If you miss it, we've made it simple for you to find all the shows at drdrew.com, the Adam and Dr. Drew podcast, the Think What I Do By Myself, the Dr. Drew podcast, This Life, of course, with Bob Swole Patrol, Mike Cantho, and his new health and fitness podcast. You can uh, find us on Twitter at This Life Podcast, at Dr. Drew, Dairy W, at Rehab Bob Forrest, and of course, our lovely producer at First Lady of Love. I think I know who that is. If you love this show, please subscribe and tell a friend. We appreciate it when you do. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. Send us a message. Join the email list at drdrew.com, drdrew.com slash contact. You'll also get a weekly uh, email from us on that. Uh, while you're at it, at doctor.com, please support our sponsors by clicking through the banners. We only advertise products that I can get behind. So thank you for supporting them, those that support us. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.